Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Yo, it's your girl, Fresh of Love, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Hey guys, welcome back to Sports Talk with C. Your girl is back with another episode. And on this episode, I get to chop it up with Ami Brat, pro baller, author, coach, and much more. I hope y'all ready. Tap in, introducing Rebecca Harris. All right, thank you for coming on Sports Talk with C and coming and sharing your journey with me, um, Rebecca. Um, how do you want me to refer to you? Any certain way? Beck, I seen you like that. Uh, Rebecca is fine. Beck, I, yeah, I answered to either one of those is good. Okay, so tell me where you're from. So um, that's a loaded question. I am a military brat, so I have no home. Um, I grew up overseas for the first like 13 years of my life, and it was uh, it was by design um, to make it to the states like right before I hit high school. Um, so I can see how this basketball thing would pan out for me. Okay. So you grew up as an army brat. What made you pick up a basketball then growing up? Was there like basketball on the army base or anything like that? I mean, so the, the original story of it all is um, I was about three years old. We lived in the Philippines. We were at a family friends barbecue and there were some older kids playing around with a basketball and the like little Oshkosh type basketball hoop. And I was just watching, but then as soon as like all of them left to go get something to eat or something like that, I picked up the ball and I started shooting around and they started to come back and I had, I lost the ball and it was heading towards the street and one little boy went to go get it. I thought he was going to steal the ball, but he was getting it to give it back to me. And I punched him. <laughs> my dad was off. Yeah, yeah. My dad was off in the distance, laughing, and was like, "Okay, I guess he kind of likes this game and doesn't want to share the ball." So, you know, we'll see how it goes. And actually, from that point on, I I never really put it down, and I was playing every chance that I got. Um, I had to wait till I was five before I could play on an actual team, um, but I would play and and anywhere I could. We had a, a little basketball hoop or small park mm-hmm. by my house. And uh, there would be construction workers there on their lunch break. And I would just go out there as if I was the same height, as if I could (laughs) compete. And they allowed me to shoot around with them. And so that actually helped because I never saw anyone that was like bigger than me or man as competition or anything. They were, they were people playing and I would just hop right in with them. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So when you got back to skate, excuse me, to the States, did you jump right into basketball or did you have to find a program in your area? I mean, coming to the States, everything was foreign. Everything was brand new and we were figuring out the process as we went along. Mm -hmm. So like we moved to an area um, near Southern Illinois, Scott Air Force Base, right about 20 minutes from St. Louis, which is where I'm at right now. And, um, went to went to school there and and you get to know like the kids that are playing on the school team which was interesting to me because they had seventh and eighth grade teams where where I lived there there was no school team at that age group before living overseas but 
So playing with them and then just figuring out the whole process of AAU and select teams, that was brand new. So it was all trial and error. And was the style of play coming from overseas to the States different for you? Because, you know, usually it's the other way around. So, I mean, I get that question quite a bit because I think with when people realize that I, I lived overseas, like it, I lived in other countries. However, I wasn't playing necessarily their style of play over there. I was playing American basketball. Okay. Uh, and, and for the most part, I was playing with guys. Um, we would have like co-ed sports, but there was mostly guys. I would be the only girl. Um, there was a time or two where I did play with some girls, um, but that was just, a, a rare occasion once in a while for a league here and there. Um, so coming to the States and having to literally be in a situation where this is the girls team and you're on this team. I was against it at first. I was um, <laughs> simply because I was so used to girls, my age, not mm-hmm. being up to par for me. I wasn't having fun with it. Like it's boring. They don't know what well, they're Well, I mean, doing. you played with the guys, so I'm pretty sure that put you to a higher level and you're, you're playing and then come in to play with a bunch of girls. Right. So it was, it was a completely different scenario for me. And, and like, you know, no, no knock on anyone. I, I wasn't an asshole about it, but, and I, I apologize for guessing, but like, it was just like, I, I wasn't, but I do know that I did run into some issues with being the new kid on the block, being the mm-hmm. new girl and then being good that I had that pushback from, mm-hmm. from my newfound teammates here. Um, and it, it was interesting. So any chance that I got to play with the guys within that area or even at school, I did. And during my first few months in middle school at this new school, um, there was actually a situation where they didn't want me, a girl, playing with the boys like during recess time or doing like that there was a it was a huge deal and parents got involved and all of that um simply because like my parents are like what's the problem like why what is the problem right it's lunchtime it's free time it's recess she's out there playing they're having a good time there's no problem and like the school was saying well you know we we want to keep the boys and the girls separate because we don't want instant any incidents to occur and we were like there's no incidents occurring and it's actually like blasphemy that you just assume that something is going oh. to happen you know and, and of a sexual nature like you know that's being so like, weird it's like how old are we and you're worried about that exactly. like we're just playing basketball. exactly <laughs> so and that was the uh, the problem like you guys are coming up with this weird misconception like this is going to occur where I'm like these are my friends we we, if it was PE we would be playing anyways and no one is thinking about that except you which is grown man grown man principal you know what I mean and it's like you're super weird and so then like for a few weeks they tried to change it up and be like this will be the court for the guys this will be the court for the girls and I was like still that's not I'm not satisfied with that that is not what I was doing and I don't want to play with them they didn't really want to play Anyways, the girls didn't, and not only that, like, I should be able to do whatever I want at recess without any rules attached to it, so it was a big deal for a little bit, and um, I believe my parents had gone through some things to make some changes over there, and then they allowed me to play with the boys, Uh, but that was just, 
a headache of, you know, a, a new kid on the block already, you know, roughly. It was the talent. Started. That's what it was. It was the talent because I'm pretty sure if you came and you was a bomb, it would have never been an issue. <laughs> it, it, it was definitely something. And it was just like, it was just crazy to me. But yeah, that was the beginning. And did you have music. AAU out there when you came back to the States? So yeah, there was AAU. We discovered some teams. Um, so in our quest to just find other opportunities for me to play amongst girls, like outside of school play, school mm-hmm. ball, um, we didn't live too far from a sportsplex that was starting to run these leagues. But what we found was like, there was a team within the area and all of them literally looked the same, right? So like blonde hair, blue eyes. They all shot the same, mechanics the same. And I was like, I don't think that's for me either. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. Not only that, you don't feel like they would be very inviting. Right. Mm -hmm. So so we were still looking for another team. And what happened was I ended up, the first team I ever became a part of for AAU, I think we were called the Predators. And it just happened that a father of a kid, um, where, you know, how most AAU teams come about. He wanted to create an opportunity for his kid to get better and continue to play. And so he developed the team. And um, I played with this group at first. And this is a group of girls that I had met throughout the sports play, playing in these little leagues that mm-hmm. weren't really select ball yet. And they were all going to end up going to a different high school than I did. Um, so there was actually some talk once people got to know me that it, it was a possibility that would I be changing school? And um, so, yeah. And then what high school did you end up going to? I went to Mascuda High School, good old Mascuda. Yeah. And I seen something about you reached a thousand points as you was a junior. Yeah, I think that was the case. Um, yeah, I, I reached the reached a thousand point mark somewhere in there. I might have finished by my senior year, maybe around fifteen hundred points. I, I'm sure that I'm pretty sure that uh, Courtney Burhager may have um, may have gotten taken over that um, the next year or two after that. But yes, I reached that point. Um, my jersey is retired at the high school, hanging in the rafters. Um, And how does that make you feel? (laughs) How does it make me feel? Um, You know, I think it's a great accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Everyone doesn't get that. So I certainly appreciate that. I appreciate the school. Um, I appreciate the community for embracing me, showing me love. Like even now, like great people, great times at Mascuda, which means a lot to someone like me, a military kid. Um, coming into a new environment. Now, I will say everything at Mascuda was not all great uh, coming up. I mean, I still had my struggles as just a, mm-hmm. a teenager in high school and wanting to be done with it or, you know, having, you know, a teacher that I feel like wasn't the greatest or whatnot. But for the most part, um, I do have a lot of love for Mascuda. Um, I still talk to quite a few people from Mascuda, I will show my face. I, you know, am in contact with some people and, and some of the old teachers that I truly appreciate for, you know, teaching me and, and, and looking at me as an individual versus like the star athlete. Cause that, that makes a difference. And it certainly, as I've grown up, 
I realize how big of a difference it has made in my life. And I appreciate them for that. That's dope. That's really dope. Not a lot of kids get to still say they talked or converse with their high school um, teachers. But before I get into asking you about the University of Illinois, I want to ask you, who was your favorite basketball player growing up? So my favorite hands down was Michael Jordan. And, um, you know, representation matters, right? And so the, I'm using air quotes. The problem with that is I, and I love MJ, but I didn't have access to seeing female hoopers for Mm. real growing up. So I didn't even know who I was truly aspiring to be like, you know, um, but when you're overseas and when you're part of living the military lifestyle and in different countries, like they show the main games, the most popular games being aired in the States. Right. And so there was a lot of Michael Jordan on um, at the time. And so, yeah, I got to see him. And of course, you know, he's a phenomenon. He was, he was just the it factor at that point. And uh, so, yeah, that was who I wanted to be like, be like Mike. You want to be like Mike? I think everybody wanted to be like Mike growing up as a kid. Well, in our age bracket. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what made you choose the University of Illinois for your collegiate um, career? So just to backpedal, after high school, I actually went to a junior college first. Okay. I had gone and played at Ridden Lake College. Um, and I made that choice based off of one, my dream school to go to was North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mike, like, right? <laughs> but then like you realize during your own recruiting process of like who's coming through the door, who's recruiting you, who's not. And then you get to make some of the choices that you want to make on your own. If you're, if you're really taking some control of things and I didn't have all those answers, I didn't, but I did know that I, I saw myself, I envisioned myself playing at a certain level, you know, and the schools that were knocking on my door, no knock um, at them at all, but I just didn't see myself there. Not only that, um, I had some things that I needed to take care of better while in high school, grades being a factor. Like I, I didn't have straight A's, but I, I wasn't really failing or anything like that. I was in the middle of the pack and I do know that I wanted to get my grades up. So, so yeah, junior college was the route that I decided to go. And I ended up going to Ren Lake College first, which is um, more Southern Illinois than I am now. So okay. near, uh, near Carbondale, SIU Carbondale, about 45 minutes from there. And then after being there for two years and, you know, getting recruited even more by different schools, Illinois came through. And I ultimately chose them after going on a couple visits at some mm-hmm. other schools. And um, I took my family to uh, I took my family to this uh, visit. Mm-hmm. They really enjoyed it. And yeah, I just yeah, it was the right choice. Oh, that's dope. And how what did you say? What was the best part of playing college basketball? <sighs> I mean, college basketball it's a whole nother level. It is. Um, I have some great memories um, and some of it's on the court, some of it's off the court, but certainly being on the big stage, if you, if you've always dreamed of playing at your next level, like there are certain things you envision playing in front of big crowds in a big arena, um, you know, trying to make it to the big dance and winning a championship. So I remember all of those 
moments, the putting in the work, grinding it out with your teammates, those long lasting bonds, um, you know, relationships that you had with your coaches. Um, you know, so the best part is actually just the journey in itself. Um, my senior year, we had a we had a good run in the Big Ten conference mm-hmm. cham- uh, conference tournament, and we actually made history. And soon after that, uh, I think a team, another team within the women's basketball over there, Illinois, did the same thing. But we started off as a ninth seed, and we made it to the championship game of Big Ten. Uh, conference tournament and we lost by a buzzer beater to Purdue in the championship game. But, you know, that's one of those things where, where it stings forever, but the ride was crazy. It was a good time. So is this the one where I was reading where you upset Ohio, I believe? Yeah. Ohio state. We upset Ohio state. Who was on that team? Jantel Lavender was on that team. I'll never forget that. Um, they had some, who else was on that team? I think Star, Breedlove, um, they had a couple heavy hitters on that team for sure. And, yeah, that was a big – I mean, that was big for us, big for us, because they were, they were the favorite. They were mm-hmm. the to win. Like, Ohio State was always the cocky team, and, like, cocky in a good way. Like, you're good. It's okay to be good and acknowledge mm-hmm. that you're good. My cousin right? transferred from there recently. <laughs> okay. And, um, like, they were expected to win. They were the favorite. And not expected, not only expected to win, but to, like, blow everyone out. And, but during the season, we had lost to them twice, but barely each time, right? So we had their number. We were ready for them. And I just remembered, like, just being focused, locked in that game. And when we knew we had it, I think I was shooting free throws in the last, like, 20 seconds and I may have popped my collar after hitting the first one because we were just so hyped about it and, <laughs> and it was crazy it was crazy and like I think you were so, 10 for 10 from the free throw line that game something, something like that probably was it, it was just it was crazy and like in Ohio State like when they know that they're gonna win like they expect to win they like set their flight so that they arrived the first day of the tournament or actually the day before and they're not leaving, expected to leave until after the championship game. So they were going to be there regardless. So like the next game and everything, the next day, here they are in the stands, like dressed in street clothes because they were they were going to stay the entire time regardless. And um, so yeah, it was that was a big run. That was crazy. I must have been lit. Yeah. I would have been like, yes, sir. <laughs> and then I had to talk my. <laughs> and talk like, my was, nonsense first. <laughs> I, I had, you know, I did. It was, it was crazy. That just opened up. It opened up a lot of doors and opportunities. That tournament in itself. I know for for me becoming a pro, that was the big eye opener for everyone else. Um, because I did all right during the season. I averaged about ten points, um, five assists, and it was it was an average season. Like it was cool. But in the Big Ten tournament, like I upped my game. I went to averaging like 18 points he was locked in huh I was locked in I was on a whole nother level (laughs) you know do or die type situation um and then we also just noticed like the crowd of orange getting bigger and bigger each day each night because you know we're continuing to climb this steady mountain uh, of playing this playing the game and making it to the championship game so it was good 
It was good. That's good. Well, um, I'm sorry that you didn't come up with the championship, but you know, good run for you. So did you have any, you said you didn't have, um, you didn't get to see like women players, the WNBA, but as you came overseas, went to college, did you want to go to the WNBA or did you want to go and play overseas? So like once I, realized like I still want to play and, and continue to go to the next level and I mean I decided early on probably in high school or right before high school like I, I want to take this as far as I could take it um I believe the WNBA came about when 1998 um and so like it, as soon as I had learned about the WNBA right like I was interested okay yeah I don't I don't have to be the first woman in the NBA now I can be in the WNBA and so that was the goal and and then learning more and more about the different um, outlets, I guess, for women to play professionally, you know, then it became, I just, I want to become a professional, whatever that looks like, you know, loving basketball actually taught me a lot about how it can be, you know, and seeing that movie. Um, and it was one of my favorite movies, obviously the, the, the underlying issues within that movie. Now as an adult, you're like, what the heck was going on? everybody's movie right everybody's movie growing up loving basketball loving basketball cue this and monica that so (laughs) right right right. but like it honestly i mean it, it told a lot of truth and i can relate to this movie in so many ways it's actually ridiculous but like it is very true about you know playing overseas what it's like and and then also having that love back home and trying to figure out how to live your life and get everything you want while still being a lot about who, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, that, and that's the reason why it's one of my, my favorite movies because I can relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, once I figured out like, Hey, there are other ways to be a professional and, and going overseas is a great opportunity. I was all for it. Um, I know that everyone does not get the opportunity to play in the WNBA. Um, there's only 144 spots. And not only that, those 144 spots aren't completely guaranteed because we we see so often like 10 day you know, contracts and they dropped right, this right. one and picked up yes. this one. And, you know, it's- and it's only now, really, <clears throat> it's only now over the last year or two that things are moving in such a great direction where I do believe like in the next five years for sure, I'm almost positive in the next five years what we might have one or two extra teams. We're going to have some extra spots, more money, more money, you know what I mean? And more opportunities. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I clap my hands and I congratulate those um, that came before me and set the tone, but those that are coming after me and getting to reap those benefits, and then even myself, you know, sometimes I, I've got to remind myself, like, you deserve a, a huge clap on the back simply because there's myself. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And there's there's other people that have made such long lasting careers of only playing overseas, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've been fortunate enough to play in some heavy duty leagues and play in Euro League and, and play against the best of the best. Um, yeah, there, I can't remember. I have not played a season where I wasn't playing against some of the top in the country. There's WNBA players that I play against every season. So, yeah, I mean, it's and 
I, from like watching research and just talking to people like overseas players are different level just because they start on a national team so young. So their Mm -hmm. game is something crazy sometimes. So I can only imagine like having to play against WNBA players and players that played overseas their entire life. So, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a it's a unique experience. And uh, also understand that everyone is not able to handle that um, and be over there because there's there's the on the on the court experience and there's the off the court experience. And I, I know plenty of people who have failed, failed at it because they couldn't adapt, didn't understand it, weren't open enough to understand it, um, weren't mentally prepared, um, you know, and, and I credit the overseas experience for a lot of female basketball players, their success with handling the bubble because so used to it when you're overseas, Mm -hmm. being away from your family, eat, sleep in the kind of the same area, uh, just practice games, go back, rinse, repeat while, while you heard more of the complaining about it um, and not understanding it from the men's side, like the NBA players who just, they are not used to it whatsoever. And I get it. I understand. So, yeah. Well, um, I wanted to ask you, I seen that you had wrote a book. Yeah. How bad do you want it? So Mm -hmm. tell me where that came about. So um, throughout my playing career, I've I've also taken a break here and there and I've coached at the high school and college level. Um, But also just from me playing and all of my experiences and insight, I received plenty of questions all the time from young athletes, parents, other coaches, and just anyone interested in wanting to know about uh, what it takes to reach the next level. And I found myself answering these questions. And it was one day about a year and a half ago, I was in Germany and on a long bus trip and I was receiving a, a Twitter DM like I normally do and nothing different and it was mm-hmm. a young lady who was preparing herself to play uh college and she had just reached out to me and wanted to ask me some questions so I answered and and once I was finished talking to her and I still had about six hours on this bus I pulled out my laptop and I just started writing down all the questions that a lot of people asked me on a regular basis and next thing you know within six hours I had written out about six seven different chapters and and it just turned into a book and then I kept at it for about the next year and uh, yeah so yeah was that was the process was there anything about writing the book the process of writing the book difficult did you want to give up or was it a easy go ride it was that's, it is one of my greatest accomplishments. I'll say that um, simply because it is a lot of work. It is like, it is. And, and I'm a perfectionist and I want to make sure that it's right. I want to make sure that people understand it. I want to make sure, you know, that it is a good product once it's all put together. And so I wasn't finished with it until I felt that it was perfect. And then the next stage in the process of, you know, getting it edited and published and mm-hmm. all that, that in itself is a whole nother ball game and you know now you have this finished product and it's your baby and now you have to let someone else read it and tweak it and do this or that and so that was 
an ordeal altogether. But um, but yeah, I'm so happy that you know we I, we made it through. I've got it out. Um, I'm gonna be celebrating a milestone pretty soon Yay! here for the amount of people that have been supportive and have bought their copies and I appreciate them and, and, and where can anybody, you get a copy yeah if anybody's looking for a copy please go to my website rebecca30harris.com and get your copy there um, yeah and uh, I've also got um, you can find me on tiktok um, I'm big on tiktok these days apparently at, at beckharris30 um, a lot of young people have found me on TikTok and Instagram and just load me up with questions. And they've asked me to, Hey, coach Harris, can you start a YouTube and a podcast? I'm going to listen to you speak on it some more. And so recently I've started that as well. You can find the YouTube and the podcast at how bad do you want it? And I'm answering questions. I'm, you know, elaborating a bit more on things that young people want to know about reaching the next level, the relationships you need to build with coaches and teammates and all that it takes, grades, you know, your work ethic, you name it, we're covering it. So, yeah. That's dope. That is dope. Congratulations on your book. Congratulations on your milestone. Milestone, excuse me. I'll be definitely putting my order in to get my copy. Um, but I wanted to ask you, um, in your opinion, because we're getting to the whole situation, what makes the best basketball player? What makes the best basketball player? That is, that's a good question. I think the best basketball player um, is, is coachable. It's someone who has basketball IQ that comes from their work ethic and their training, but also just going out and hooping. Now, there, there's a difference between a basketball player and a hooper. But if you can combine those, I think that gives you the greatest athlete on the floor possible. And I mean, you know, uh, as a coach, as a player, I can notice, I, I know someone that is a basketball player and not a hooper. Um, you know, they don't have a certain level of instinct that come with just hooping at the park and playing with people that, you know, uh, have not been structurally trained mm -hmm. but yet they can go get a bucket um just understanding that the game of basketball is not all about scoring and having the most talent because sometimes there there are plenty of people that aren't very talented but they've got that wherewithal and that basketball iq that gets it done on the floor so mm -hmm. so yeah if you can be a basketball player and a hooper combine that and be a student of the game that makes you the ultimate player right there. All right. Well, that's what I wanted to know because me and you were talking about the whole Atlanta dream um, situation. Um, and because you're a coach, you are a player. I wanted to ask you as a player, mm -hmm. is this how would you handle the situation? And as a coach, how would you handle the situation with Courtney Williams and Crystal Bradford and the YouTube video going out and wow um first and foremost uh me as a player especially at this point in my career and as a professional certainly not the way that I would handle it not at all so and like you know I understand that different people handle things differently but I think once you reach a certain level like you have to learn a certain level of professionalism and understand that 
people are, are going to be out there and criticize you and hate on you and try to provoke you to get you in certain types of situations, right? And, and sometimes they, they pull the ones that you love in it just to, to make it a little worse. Um, so from, from what I've heard and what I've seen um, in the video and some of it, you know, contradicts itself. But yes, I know that I know that there's a video, I believe that a lot of people haven't seen whatever happened inside the club. At yes. First. Um, have you seen that? No, I haven't. And that's the yeah. part that I'm like, okay, so if, yeah. where's that part? Because right. if that, that part puts you in a position where it shows that you're being provoked, it shows that you're yeah, being yeah. antagonized, it shows that like, all right, yeah, she really had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Where's that part? Like, don't. And that's the part I hate about media or whatever is because it's always I mean, regardless, the situation is negative. Like, regardless, you never you held you supposed to hold yourself to a different standard. One, you're being looked at because you're a WNBA player. So you already look at that at a certain level. Um, And then for Crystal Bradford, like you fought so hard to get back to this level. But it's like. Where's the, I want to see it all. I want, I want them to be judged on the full. Right, right, right. And I, and I, I understand, like, I certainly understand what you're saying. And I can even, I can even understand a bit of where the players are coming from, but this is, this is my take on it. Like as a professional and knowing that you have something to lose that other people don't, right. Like even in an instance of having, saying it's self-defense, which I truly do believe that there, that is a huge part to it. But at what point do you prove your point, get people off you, get yourself to in a situation or to the point where you can, you know, you throw your couple punches, let them know you're not playing, and then you get away. You know, you take yourself out of that situation and you let somebody else handle it. And I think where they messed up is like, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, they're continuing to go along with it. Um, and granted they're, they're outnumbered. I see that, but I don't see them trying to leave the situation. Or de-escalate the situation. Right, right. Or de- and, and as I'm thinking about it, you know, I feel bad for bits and pieces of it because for Courtney's sake, like she's not only just thinking about herself, she's thinking about her girl that is involved with it. And like, you know, it, it that's one of those catch 22s like I got my hits in and it's time to go but you're still okay now I gotta come back in here but you know that's that's a long conversation to have and that's between them but what made it 10 times worse was thinking that in any way shape or form that the incident was something to joke about of, to to make light of and to post a video yeah. about um I don't think that was smart on their part I think they realized that now you know, however, I mean, the damage is done and now like there's this public image and all of that. And, you know, now now they got to deal with some of the consequences that come along with it. And hopefully, you know, they can bounce back. Who knows? They could be completely signed to a new team. team and uh, that may be better for them. Right. Right. But- right. And, and yeah. And for Crystal's sake, you know, for her, it's unfortunate, um, you know, to be caught up in that. And like you said, she had this was her year. She did so much great things. It, and she I, had, I she sure did. People started people to see were, her for her yeah, basketball yeah. game. I, right. And I hope, and I hope that, you know, this doesn't put a negative stain on her or her career for too long. 
Um, I've played against Crystal quite a bit. Um, I played against Courtney as well. Um, I, you know, I've had some conversations here and there with Crystal. And I think she's a great person. I, I think that she deserved this opportunity. I was mm-hmm. very happy for her. And I do want to see her successful. And I, I want to see her continue to have her opportunities. So, yeah, so I hope for the both of them, I do hope that they get their opportunities, get another chance, um, or at least get, you know, to have their full side out there in the other video and, you know, and for everyone that is crucified, then getting to see the other bits and pieces to it so that the whole story's out for their sake um, and just go from there. But I think, you know, the dream have had such a tough go at it this year that this just added extra fuel to that fire and, you know, put, put some bad energy out their way, but we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah, we'll see. We'll definitely see what happens. Um, as a coach, um, how would you handle it? What would be some words you would give a player to stay strong throughout the whole process? Um, yeah, we would certainly have some conversations about, hey, uh, you know, uh, and let them vent. Tell me, tell me your side of things, right? Because as a coach, you want your players to understand that you are there for them, you have their back, but also, I'm going to hold you accountable. Um, you know, this, you are bigger than that. You are better than that. And, and I expect you to do things differently. Now, I understand if the situation is just not the best one, you know, um, but we'll talk about that. Not only that, you know, who was your first call after all this took place, right? Knowing that it might possibly get out there. Did you call me? Did you let me know so that I can, you know, basically like cover your butt and like, let's figure this out all together. Organization. Yeah. Right. So like, there's so many things that we don't know on the outside. um, And, you know, that's unfortunate, but I also would have liked to think that me as a coach and dealing with young people, like I want to teach them certain life lessons before we get to that point so that they know how to handle it before we get there. Right. And, I know that it is not easy to walk away from certain things. However, when you've got your goals at the forefront of your mind every day and you've worked so hard to get yourself somewhere. I'm learning that now. You know, get yourself somewhere. You don't want it all taken away, you know, at the drop of a dime due to some silly stuff that, that you may have not been able to control how it started, but you can control how it ends. That's that's true, because usually the person starring it just wants that two minutes of time, yeah. the fame, the, oh, I, I got into an altercation with so-and-so from the Atlanta dream. You know, usually that's what people <laughs> want to put out there and not realize that it's a negative situation and people want to use it to their club. Yeah. You know how that goes. You know, and like, speaking of which, it's like no one's talked about any backlash with with everyone else involved in it right Mm -mm. because when you are a star you're famous you're a professional athlete right like you are at the forefront of everything the good bad the ugly now what happened like how long ago was this and if if this was something that they started which I do assume that it was something that the other people started like uh you know were the police called I don't know did you file charges I don't know but then I also understand from a cultural standpoint we're not always trying to call the police, right? Like, I, I am actually just happy that it just came to blows versus something else. And right. it's getting even more serious, right? So, like, there are a lot of layers to this situation. 
you know so yeah yeah, I was seeing something that it happened a long. It happened a few months, months ago, ago, and it just yeah. came out because of the YouTube thing. I'm like, listen, you guys have a lot to be on YouTube about, not about that. Okay, <laughs> okay so what are your next goals that you set for yourself in the next five years? Oh, in the next five years, huh? Um, I mean, I'm working on a few different things. I actually would love to have an enterprise right like I I want I want my name on attached to a bunch of different things so right now you have this this book you'll have another book in the future um I do plan to own a few different properties uh, you know uh running uh my own gym at some point so I, I do plan to just become my own enterprise and be financially free and just travel the world so that is that is on you know that is on my we're gonna speak that into existence yes ma'am yes we are um that is all the questions i have for you today and thank you for coming on uh, sports talk with c thank you have thank you for having me i really appreciate you this was fun and uh yeah we'll we'll talk soon yes we will thank you c's out Coming in. Hey, this is Shaka Hello Hill, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Hi, I'm Latoya Moore. And I'm Maya Dawson. And we're hosts for the new podcast called Becoming Becoming Eva. Join us as we discuss real life issues from relationships to business to health and wellness. All from a woman's perspective. Becoming Eva seeks to break the silence within the female community while fostering transparency, authenticity, and healing. Stay tuned and check us out at becomingevatoday.com for more details. See See you soon. soon.